This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. ER Vet is brought to you by Heroes for Healthy Pets. We're passionate about your pet's health. Welcome to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm an emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about the dangers of dog flu. We'll be right back after these messages. Let's talk about how to accessorize your pet's life. If you're celebrating an upcoming birthday or adoption day for your four-legged friend, deck out your party with new Molly and Bandit pet party accessories. This is a great line of party products that are designed specifically for your dog or cat. They're wearables for your pups, including adjustable party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photo prop kits include funny glasses and hats. So this will be perfect if your pet is popular on Instagram. Check out all the great pet party products again at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Today, we have a guest, Dr. Melissa Bourgeois, who's a veterinarian who is an expert in dog flu. Thank you so much for joining us today, Melissa. Yes, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Just so our audience knows who you are, do you mind giving us a little bit of background about who you are, where you went to veterinary school, and what you do now? Absolutely. So I went to veterinary school at the University of Florida. While I was there, I got my veterinary degree and I also got a PhD in infectious disease research. After I was at University of Florida, I joined the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, where I did research into highly pathogenic avian influenza. I left them about six years ago, uh, and for the past six years, I've actually been working at Merck Animal Health as a both a technical services manager and a senior drug safety specialist at different time points in my role here. And I also do work on the side, sort of on the weekends, um, in veterinary clinics, doing veterinary work. So seeing patients, doing surgeries, things like that. Wonderful. And you're also a diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Microbiologists in Virology and Immunology. So definitely excited to have you on to talk about dog flu. I wanted to ask you, I'm seeing as a veterinarian several outbreaks throughout the United States and more recently, even Canada. What do pet owners need to know about dog flu? First of all, what is the organism and how contagious is it? And lastly, what kind of clinical signs do we end up seeing if we're worried that our dog actually has the flu? Yeah, so dog flu is, it's caused by a flu virus, just like human flu, although it is a different strain. So there's no data at this point that dog flu actually causes problems or infections in people. Um, So it is a virus, specifically the new strain that came to the United States back in March of 2015. It came from China, so Southeast Asia, and it is the strain that we call H3N2. And it's 
highly, highly contagious. So it is spread between dogs through direct physical contact. So let's say a dog is sniffing noses with an infected dog. It's also spread through airborne droplets. So if a dog sneezes or coughs, it can actually spread it to other dogs. And it can also be spread on contaminated surfaces, things that we call fomites or vectors. So water bowls, food bowls, people's hands, people's clothing. And if your dog is exposed and does start to show clinical signs of flu, there are a number of different clinical signs that we associate with the flu virus in dogs. That includes coughing, uh, sneezing, lethargy, so they might just seem more tired than normal, anorexia, so they don't really want to eat as much as they normally would, sneezing, I think I might already have mentioned that, if you bring your dog to the veterinarian, which, of course, if they are showing any of these signs, we highly recommend you do, they might notice that the dog has a fever when they take its temperature. So those are some of the basic clinical signs that you'll see with dog flu. Now, I will say there are a lot of other respiratory diseases besides dog flu that can cause those signs. So make sure if you are seeing those signs in your dog, you bring it to the veterinarian for diagnostics and, and treatment. So do you mind just briefly talking about some of the other causes that we do have to worry about? I know a lot of pet owners will often say, oh, my dog was diagnosed with, quote, kennel cough. And I know when we look at some of the data from Cornell Diagnostic Lab and a couple of the other diagnostic laboratories out there that run a lot of these tests for us, kennel cough isn't actually that common. So what are some other diseases that pet owners need to know about? Yeah, so there are a number of other viruses besides dog flu that can cause these signs in dogs. Um, these include things like parainfluenza virus, which luckily there are vaccines for, but other pathogens that there aren't vaccines for. So things like pneumovirus or respiratory coronavirus. There are a number of viruses that can be causing this. And then there are also a number of bacteria that can cause it. Now, when people say kennel cough, they typically mean Bordetella. So we can see some Bordetella cases, but there are other bacteria, things like Mycoplasma cynos, that's the most common respiratory pathogen we see, or Streptoepidemicus, which can cause very severe disease in dogs. So there's probably about nine different recognized viruses and bacteria right now that cause respiratory disease in dogs. Now, if you're in an area where there's a flu outbreak, we definitely tend to see flu predominating in those areas. But if not, then it tends to be one of the other viruses or bacteria. All right. And so you already talked about some of the clinical signs, sneezing, having sort of green, gross discharge from the eyes or nose, coughing, lethargy, not wanting to go for a walk, not wanting to eat. Now, if your dog shows any of these signs, what are some of the tests that a veterinarian might do if a dog owner ends up bringing their dog to the vet for a workup? Yeah, so some of the more common tests that veterinarians might do, they're probably going to draw some blood. They'll run what we call a complete blood count and a chemistry. So just to see sort of what kind of blood values we're dealing with in the dog. You know, are there increases in what we call white blood cell counts? Um, and these are the types of cells that fight infectious disease. Are there issues with other organs as well? And that will show up on the chemistry panel. Besides that, uh, your veterinarian may want to take swabs and this will either be on the oropharyngeal cavity so what that means is the mouth so they'll they'll take a swab sort of at the back of the throat kind of like if you went in for a strep test they might take a swab there or they might take a nasal swab which is in the nose or a conjunctival swab which is kind of on the 
the pink part of the eye, the mucosa of the eye. And then they'll take these swabs and they'll submit them for what we call a respiratory PCR test. And basically this looks for all those different pathogens we talked about earlier, those nine different pathogens, to see if your dog is positive for any of those. Other things they might also look for, or the other diagnostics that they might run, um, if your dog is showing signs of respiratory distress or they, they listen to your dog's lungs and they're concerned about something, they may take some x-rays of your dog's chest to see if we're dealing with a pneumonia. So, and then of course, you know, basic physical exam that provides invaluable information as well. So those are some of the more common tests that they might run. Just so our pet owners are aware, do you have a ballpark estimate of what some of these tests could generally cost? Yeah, so they can get very expensive, you know, depending on your veterinarian physical exam, you know, your basic physical exam fee, because there is value in getting your dog examined by the veterinarian. Blood work, it's honestly going to depend on the clinic. It's going to be at least $100, if not more, one to $200, I would say, for blood work. Radiographs, again, you know, we're looking in the two or $300 mark. And PCR tests, same sort of thing, two or $300 mark. So, you know, if it, your veterinarian feels that these tests are all, all needed, probably you're looking at at least the, the $500 range to get all these diagnostics done. Great information. So far, we're talking about dog flu and some of the clinical signs that we can see if your dog is exposed or ends up getting it. We also talked about how to diagnose it at your veterinarian. Let's go ahead and take a short break and we'll continue right after these messages from our sponsors. We'd like to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Pretty Litter. A bag of Pretty Litter weighs four pounds, and it's really lightweight. Most litter weighs between 20 to 40 pounds. It's also long-lasting. One bag of Pretty Litter lasts an entire month for one cat. It's also got built-in health monitoring. It keeps tabs on your cat's health by changing color if it detects potential health issues. For example, Pretty Litter may turn green or blue if it notices a high urinary pH, which can lead to bladder crystals and stone formation. If Pretty Litter turns purple or red, it may indicate that there's blood in there. And this can oftentimes be a sign of bladder stones, crystals, bladder inflammation, or even a urinary tract infection. If you notice an unusual color, when in doubt, consult with your veterinarian to find out what's going on. We'll want to get a sterile urine sample, but it could be a helpful indicator by keeping tab on your cat's health. Pretty Litter also has microcrystals that absorb the urine and odor, so it's got amazing odor control. Also, it's easy maintenance. All you have to do is scoop the poop. No more clumping. Pretty Litter is delivered straight to your door every month with free shipping, so it's hassle-free and convenient. Go to prettylittercats.com slash ervet and use the promo code ervet for 20% off your first subscription order. It's not just a sneeze. It could be the pathway to disease. Your dog is at risk for contracting dog flu. That's why it's important to vaccinate your dog for dog flu. Get your dog vaccinated today. Visit dogflu.com for more information. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Today, we're talking about dog flu with Dr. Melissa Bourgeois. 
Melissa, tell me what dogs are more likely to get dog flu. And just like humans, I'm based out of Minnesota, we see tons of flu in humans during the winter. Is there a seasonal effect where I should worry about taking my dog to the dog park during the winter versus the spring? Or when are we actually seeing this? Yeah, so dog flu is a little bit different than people. People flu tends to have a very seasonal distribution based on a number of environmental factors as well as when the viruses recombine and come out of Southeast Asia. In dogs, the flu virus that's circulating here, the H3N2, we're tending to see it year round. Now, that being said, dogs that are at risk for it are those dogs that are going to interact with each other. So, you know, if you are doing any boarding or you're going to the dog park, possibly more common in the summer months based on people's travel and the nicer weather outside, especially if you live in the north, you may see more cases in in the summer season in those situations just because the dogs are being more social. All right. So how do we actually prevent this? Yes. So the best way to prevent dog flu is one, to vaccinate. Um, It is extremely important to get any dog that might have social interactions vaccinated. So if you bring your dog to the groomer, if you bring your dog to the dog park, if you ever board your dog or go to a doggy daycare, or even if you go for a walk in the neighborhood, or let's say you live in a city and you use the elevator where other dogs might also use the elevator. Basically, if your dog is exposed to other dogs or areas where other dogs are, it should be vaccinated. Now, the vaccine, it's what we call the killed virus vaccine. So what that means is the dog actually needs two doses, two to four weeks apart in order for immunity to form. So if you bring your dog into the clinic and it gets vaccinated for dog flu, Keep in mind, there's that first dose, and then you need to go back two to four weeks later, which your veterinarian will tell you, to get that booster dose. Now, the thing about vaccines is that they are not a treatment measure, right? So once an animal or a human has a disease, giving them a vaccine isn't going to help that current infection. So you really need to start vaccinating dogs before you see flu in your area so that your dog has time to build its immune system up so that when flu does come to your area, it can respond accordingly. So that is such an important point. I'm going to reiterate it one more time for our dog owners out there. Even my own dog, who I bring to the hospital whenever I'm working, is vaccinated for the dog flu vaccine. And the main reason why is because if all of a sudden you have an outbreak in your area and you decide to go to your veterinarian because you want to protect your dog, especially if they go to doggy daycare or dog parks or they have any nose-to-nose contact or exposure to other pets, even if you get vaccinated with the first vaccine, remember your dog doesn't actually mount a protective response. In other words, our immune system needs time to respond to the second vaccine. And that's why I always say you don't want to wait until an outbreak happens in your area. You want to make sure your dog is protected before that even happens because it can take several weeks to mount that response. And again, really important that your dog get the two vaccines. It needs that second booster two to four weeks later in order to protect it. So make sure to talk to your veterinarian about this. Now, Melissa, in terms of dog flu, we always hear about humans when they get the flu, some people actually dying from it. What do we have to know about when it comes to dog flu? You already said it's really infectious, but is my dog going to die from this? What do I need to know? 
Yes, so the majority of cases of dog flu will be the signs that we talked about before. The coughing, the nose or the eye discharge, lethargy, anorexia, things like that. And with supportive care, they can usually recover pretty well. Now, there are certain dogs, a subset of dogs, and we don't have the exact numbers, but especially in the unvaccinated dog population, that when they're exposed to flu, will get more severe disease. And what does that consist of? That consists of things like pneumonia. So you might notice that your dog is having difficulty breathing. Its rib cage is sort of moving in and out either more quickly or with more effort. And sometimes it can even progress to more severe systemic signs as well as death. So flu can actually cause death in dogs, which is why it is really important to vaccinate dogs before they encounter the flu virus. All right, great information. The other question I had is, if my dog gets dog flu, can I actually get it from my dog or vice versa? What if I get sick and I get the flu? What are the risks that it's actually going to spread to my dog or my cat? Right. So there is a good amount of confusion as far as that goes, because dog flu, at least the current dog flu that we are seeing circulating throughout the United States is called H3N2. And there are H3N2 flu viruses in people as well. But at this point, there have been no documented cases of dog to human transmission of dog flu. So in other words, people do not get the dog version of H3N2. Now, that being said, there are actual cases of cats getting the H3N2 virus from dogs. So you are not at risk for H3N2 from dogs, but your cats may be. Yeah, it's so scary because every day we hear more and more about different types of influenza, whether or not it's in birds or in pigs. And I always tell people, if they haven't seen the movie Contagion, you realize how infectious influenza can be. Well, Dr. Bourgeois, thank you so much for educating our pet owners today on dog flu. And again, we really appreciate you giving us the signs to look for. So again, if your dog's showing signs of sneezing, green or yellow discharge from their eyes or nose, they're coughing, they feel warm to the touch because they have a fever, they're lethargic, they don't want to eat, please get your veterinarian right away. We do want to do some blood work. We do want to test to make sure it's not dog flu or some other type of infectious disease. We may even want to do chest x-rays because we know up to 20% of dogs can get a pneumonia in their lungs from this. And thankfully, there's a vaccine out there. So talk to your veterinarian about protecting your dog, especially if you have a social dog that goes to doggy daycare, goes to work with you, goes to a dog park, lives in an apartment complex where there may be other dogs traveling in the elevator. If there's any exposure at all, we definitely want to make sure your dog is protected. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Thanks so much for joining us. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me any of your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, but we want to thank our guests, Dr. Melissa Bourgeois and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.